Welcome to 721 Live, the video arm of 721 Ministries. I'm Sam Hunter. I'm so glad you joined us today. Thank you for being with us. You know, Jesus called Satan the evil one. He did not say deliver us from evil in his Lord's Prayer that he gave to us. He said deliver us from the evil one. Very specific about that. Paul tells us in more than one place about Satan's schemes. James and Peter talk about Satan and his schemes. So what are his schemes and what do they look like? Well, we talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it this week and next week. And we're going to flush this out so that we're better aware of what he's doing. I'll give you a personal example in a few minutes about what he did with me, one of his schemes. But we want to be aware of it. And then the other thing that we, I want to do today is to show you the big mistake, the crucial error that Adam and Eve made in the garden, that had they been able to avoid this, they may have been able to avoid the fall. So we're going to get started on that in just a moment. Let me take a second to remind you, you can subscribe to these videos. Just hit that little button down there, subscribe, and they'll come to you automatically each week when they come out. So we're going to jump into this in just a moment. You stay tuned. We'll be right back. Jesus was very clear, very specific in his Lord's Prayer that he gave to us, deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus apparently and obviously had a lot of firsthand experience with this Satan, this evil one. We want to be aware of him. We do not want to be afraid of him. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we want to be aware of him because he is scheming against each one of us. Now, over these years, we've used a poster. We call it the Gates and the Thrones poster. And it's just, it just depicts what it looks like to go deeper into the kingdom and how that plays out in our lives. I want to just take a brief moment and show it to you because it does help us to see. And let me start with that poster. What you see here on the bottom is the process of you starting off as the king of your castle, all about me, eventually you get off of that throne as you go deeper into the kingdom and it becomes all about him. He becomes the king of your life. Prior to that, you're trying to be the king or the queen of your castle. That will not work. So as you go deeper and deeper, you're getting more and more off the throne of, of your life. Above this, we see this series of gates, which get more and more narrow as you go deeper into the kingdom. Jesus talked about the narrow gate and what it looks like as with that process, but here's what I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to understand. There's someone out there who does not want you to go deeper into the kingdom. The evil one, Satan. He is trying to trip you up. He is trying to thwart that process. He's trying to hold you back. He does not want you to enjoy the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentle, gentleness, fruitfulness, all the things that come with the fruit of the Spirit. He does not want you to enjoy those to relish in this A-plus life to the full that Jesus said he came to give us. So he's going to try everything he can to trip you up. But we do not have to be afraid of him. He's real, and he's a real adversary, and he's powerful. But we do not need to be afraid of him. Last week, 
we talked about the three things I want you to remember always. And I really mean this. You must remember this because this will give you the power to live the life that Jesus wants for you. Number one, Satan is on a leash. Satan is on a leash. He can only come after you when your Heavenly Father allows him to come after you. That's the only time he can. We, we saw it with Job. He had to ask permission to attack Job. We see it in Luke 22 when Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Peter, Simon, Peter. Satan has asked that he be able to sift you like wheat. He has to ask, apparently. Seems obvious in Scripture. And so if he is coming after you, that means your Heavenly Father has allowed him to. And if he has allowed him to, it's for a very, very good reason. There are things in your life, blind spots perhaps, stubborn areas in your heart, habits that you have, that you won't let go of yourself. You will not rid them out of your life yourself. And so your Heavenly Father says, okay, Satan, I'll let you have a little, little go at him or, or her because I want them to drop this. I want, it to, I want to get it sifted out of their life. So he's on a leash. That's number one. Number two, you are more powerful than he. With the Holy Spirit, you are absolutely more powerful than Satan. Not a self-help, not a self-power, but when you invoke the Holy Spirit and you live with the Holy Spirit power, Satan has nothing against you. And number three, how do we overpower him? We take captive every thought. We take captive every thought. That's the key because Satan is a liar and he will try to plant lies into your head. And if you will just grab those thoughts with a self-discipline, it'll take effort. It'll take being aware. But if you'll just grab those thoughts and kick them out, make them obedient to Christ, you'll overpower him every time. You see, Jesus called him a liar. He called him a murderer. Clearly, Jesus had a lot of firsthand experience with him. We see this in John chapter 8. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus says, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. He is a liar and the father of lies. I think Jesus wants us to know he's a liar. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Now I want to hold on to that thought for just a moment. We talked about it last week. I'm going to give you this quotation by John Ortberg. You may believe in Jesus, but you do not believe what Jesus believes. You see, the key is, is capturing those thoughts and making them obedient to Christ. And to do that, we, must, we want to trust Jesus in everything he said. We'll see this when we look at the episode with Adam and Eve in the garden. That Satan will try to get you to not trust your Heavenly Father and trust him. And so when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you don't believe me, but you believe this liar? And John Ortberg so, so masterfully states it, succinctly states that you may believe in Jesus. I'm sure listening to me today, you believe in Jesus. But you really do not believe what Jesus believes. Go back and read the red ink. You don't live it out because you don't believe, you don't actually believe it. So when you decide not to trust Jesus, when you decide to have worry and fear, when you decide to be overwhelmed with anxiety, when you decide to take things into your own hands, when you decide to control things, when you get into that frame of mind of if I don't, it won't, or if it's to be, it's up to me, you're just saying, I don't trust you, Jesus. I've made the choice to trust Jesus. Satan instead. That's where we don't want to go. That's where we stop. That's where we say we're going to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. 
But see, the thing I want you to know is the war is won. The war is won. Yes, you're going to be in some skirmishes. Oftentimes, they're going to look like battles. But in fact, the war is won. This is Jesus commenting when the 72 returned after he sent them out for several months and they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I was there when it happened. He no longer has a place in heaven. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The battle is, the war is won. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. That's just a Jewish idiom. And to overcome all the power of the enemy, the evil one, see? And to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And just as great as that is, Jesus says, let me just remind you, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Jesus is saying, I saw him fall. I've seen him all along. He's no longer the, the, the archangel that he was at one time. And you can have the power over him. I've given you the power to overpower him. And it really, it starts knowing that your name is written in the book of heaven, the book of life. The battle is already won. Yes, excuse me, the war is already won. Yes, you'll be in some skirmishes. Some of them will look like real full-out battles, and they may be, but the war is won. And then Jesus goes on to make this follow-up comment, which I just love, and I call this the divine conspiracy. This is, this is exactly what your Heavenly Father's scheme is. And I just love this. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Now, in the original language, he's practically leaping up and down with joy. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. I call this the divine conspiracy. That's a book by Dallas Willard. I would encourage you to read it, The Divine Conspiracy. But this is what it looks like. Yeah, we're not coming at you with the intellectual, with the powerful, with the, with the up and in. I'm revealing this to those who will open their hearts like little children. Remember Jesus said, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become like a child. You have a grown-up's head, but a child's trusting heart. Now, what exactly is Satan doing with us? What, what did, we talked about this last week. Let's go over it one more time just so we're fully aware of it because even I fell victim to it last week. Satan schemes. Paul says this in Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. We're going to talk about that next week so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And I want to start, and we'll see this with Adam and Eve. One of his schemes is to, is to get us to think that your Heavenly Father is not about protecting you. He's about prohibiting you. He's not about protecting you from making bad choices and going down the wrong path. He's about prohibiting you from having fun or having things your way. The Holy Spirit through Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about various things, and he says, stop, let me, listen to me for a minute. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. That's what your Heavenly Father is always saying. It's not to restrict you. It's not to prohibit you. It's to protect you that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. 
Now, something we talked about last week, and I had my own personal experience with it this, this past Friday, and I should have seen it coming, but this is why we're going over all these things, because we do not see them coming. Satan is crafty. He slipped in the back door on me. We had just, I just spent the week talking about his three Ds, destroy, distract, discourage, destroy, distract, discourage, and I let it happen to me. Last Thursday, I went down to our home in Charleston. We live in a condominium down there, and they're doing a bunch of construction on the street right out in front of us. We're on the ground level. Our door opens to the sidewalk. They're redoing the street. They're redoing the battery right in front of us, and it is a mess. It is an absolute mess. Dust everywhere, all over our terrace, noisy. I got down there in mid-afternoon Thursday, had to unload the car. It was just, and I used to be in construction for most, almost all of my life. And so this construction noise is not something I enjoy anymore. I think I have PTSD with it. So I'm, this thing has really, really gotten on my nerves. And then I start to smell cigarette smoke in our, in our home. And the man that lives above us does smoke. And I'm thinking somehow or another that his smoke is getting into our house. And I have to live with this outside and this smoke, which really got me unnerved. Not that big a deal, but I just wasn't happy and positive like I typically am. Went to sleep that night. Dina came down. I got up real early the next morning to go to the Friday morning Bible study. I was walking along the battery. One of my favorite things in the world to do. One of my most peaceful, worshipful times of the week. Friday morning at 6 o'clock, watching the sun come up over the battery, going to a Bible study, and I was in a funk. I stopped in my usual place to take it all in to glorify my Heavenly Father, to look at His nature and His creation. I'm usually in an incredibly spiritual spot when I'm doing that. I call it vibrating at a high frequency to my, our children. They, they love that. I'm usually vibrating at a high frequency. And I'm typically a really positive person, a really happy person, a joyful person. I strive for that. I enjoy that. That's what I want to be. But I was in a funk. So I took a deep breath and I said, Holy Spirit, help me with this. What is it going on? I just don't feel right. And within just a matter of seconds, he just made it real clear. You're distracted by all that noise and all that dust and the cigarette smoke, and now you're discouraged. He did it to me. I had just spent the week talking about it, and he slipped in the back door, and he did it to me. I was distracted by all that construction and cigarette smoke and whatever noise. And then I was discouraged the next morning. So even me talking about it for an entire week, he was able to slip it in on me because he is crafty and he is scheming. So I want to encourage you to follow this. Think about this. And when you are in some kind of a negative feeling, emotional situation, just step back and say, what is it that is distracting me? And what is it that is discouraging me? Because... If you take thought, if you take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, you are more powerful than he. Jesus said this with the Holy Spirit. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then the Holy Spirit through John in 1 John 4, 4 says, because the greater is the one, because the greater, greater is the one who is in you than the one who is in the world. Greater is the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, than the one who is in the world, the evil one. You are more powerful than he is. You are. And you can live that way. 
how do we do that? How do we? We take, thought, take captive every thought, but let's keep walking through that so that we can understand a little bit better exactly what it is we want to do. The path to victory, we call it. James, Peter, last week we talked about, James again says, submit, humble yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's not a matter of powering up against Satan. It's actually a matter of powering down out of self-power, putting ourselves in God's care, living, in, living with, leaning into and onto the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's how we do it. We have the Holy Spirit, and if we, it's counterintuitive, but if we submit ourselves, if we humble ourselves to our Heavenly Father, that's how we resist the devil, and he will free, flee from us. Now, what does that look like in life? Well, we have the perfect example in the garden, in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3. We'll see all these things play out as we look at this story. How do we resist? We do not engage with Satan. Let's see how this plays out. Genesis 2.15 The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, this takes us back to 1 Corinthians 7.35. I'm not writing these things to, to restrict you. I'm writing these things to protect you. Adam and Eve were both naked and they felt no shame. Can you appreciate that statement? Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. You see, one of the things that Satan does is he, showed, he, he whispers in our ear that we don't want to be naked in front of anyone, and I don't mean physically. We don't want to let anyone get inside. We don't want to let them see what's going on inside. We want to put those barriers up. We want to put on the mask. Adam and Eve were in a state of joy. They were naked, and they felt no shame shame. What happens next? What happens next is we see Satan's schemes play out almost verbatim in this exchange. Remember Satan's three D's. Destroy, distract, discourage. Destroy, distract, discourage. If he can keep you out of a relationship with Jesus, he will have destroyed your soul. That's his number one goal. If he loses that battle, he'll seek to distract and discourage you the rest of your life. The way he will destroy your soul is to distract and discourage you away from a relationship with Jesus. Another one of his techniques, and I, I got the Satan's three Ds from Search Ministries, but the BCD, I just thought about this myself, he will bluff us because that's all he has is a bluff. He'll get us confused, which we're going to see exactly how this plays out with Adam and Eve, and then he gets us doubting. We're confused, and now we're doubting. And what are we doubting? We're doubting that our Heavenly Father that his love is perfect, that his presence is perfect, that his power is perfect, that his plan is perfect, and that his character is perfect. That's in essence what we're doubting is his character. So when there is a time in your life when it really doesn't look like his plan is perfect, or his love is, is perfect, or his power is perfect, or his presence is perfect, when it doesn't appear that way, step back and just realize, don't doubt his character. His character is perfect. His character is a loving 
compassionate, always with you, all-powerful Father. But now Satan comes along, and he throws his little schemes in there, and he gets Eve confused. Adam's standing right beside her. We're not putting all the blame on Eve at all. But let's watch how it plays out, the way he masterfully comes in, just like he did me last week. He's probably done this with you recently, maybe even right now. Chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Well, right away he's distracting her because God, no, God didn't say that. God never said you must not eat from any tree in the garden, but he's already got her distracted. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That's what he's doing, his first step. Now, 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 pause and listen to me for a minute. What should Eve have done right now? She should have shut it down. She should have captured every thought and made it obedient to Christ. She should have said, I don't know who you are. I'm not having a conversation with you. You're trying to doubt, cast doubt on my loving Heavenly Father. You're trying to distract me and discourage you. I've listened to the teachings. I know this. I am not engaging with you. Her number one mistake, well, after which she did not stand a chance, and rarely will you, is if you do not engage at the very beginning. When you engage Satan, he's too crafty. He's too wily. He's too powerful. He will get you. As I said last week, I'm not afraid of that electrical outlet in my wall, but I'm not going to go stick my finger in it. I'm not going to engage it. She engages a conversation, in a conversation with Satan. That was the number one critical error because now he's got her and he can start sowing the, all those seeds of confusion and doubt. Let's watch how this plays out. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from, fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Now she's gotten confused. Listen, he did not say you could not touch it. He didn't say that. God did not say that to Adam and Eve. But now Satan's got her twisted up. He's got her confused. And she's saying things that aren't even true. Now, did God really say? Well, no, he, he, you know, he said we could eat, but he did say we cannot touch it. And now Satan is just moving right on down the path. Let's continue and see how he does. Now comes the bluff, the confusion, and the doubting. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Can you just hear his voice? You will not certainly die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil, which in essence means you will be able to decide for yourself what is right and wrong. See, he's, he's planting that seed in Eve's mind that God is about prohibiting her, not protecting her. That God is about prohibiting her, not protecting her. God knows that you're not going to die. He, he's trying to keep you from being like him. When in fact, as we know, he's trying to protect her and Adam and you and me. But Satan's got her thinking that it's about prohibit. Prohibit her from being like God. Prohibit her from knowing what's the difference between good and evil. Well, her, God knows that that's not healthy for them, that that is not a good thing. And he is trying to protect them from that. Satan has got her confused. Now she's doubting. And off we go. 
When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. Oh my. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. They're destroyed. Distract, discourage, destroy. Confuse, bluff, confuse, doubt, and the end result. They ate it. Do not engage. Take every thought captive. Make it obedient to Christ, and you can overpower Satan. I want you to take a look at this, at the way the, the Holy Spirit gives us this process of pleasing to the eye. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, it mirrors what the Holy Spirit through John says in his first letter, 1 John 2.16, the lust of the flesh, good for food, and pleasing to the eye, the lust of the eyes, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, the pride of life. It's exactly what John writes about through the Holy Spirit thousands of years later. This is exactly what it looks like, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Exactly what has happened to Eve and then to Adam. Now, here's what happens. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. They had not realized that before. So they sewed, sewed, excuse me, sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And now they're discouraged. The old bait and hook, the old bait and switch from Satan. He got them going one way and now he opens their eyes and they realize that they're naked, they're ashamed, they're embarrassed. How pathetic is it they're sowing these fig leaves? He's got them discouraged. Distracted them. Destroying their soul. And now he's got them discouraged. Exactly what he wanted to do. Now, we give Eve too much much of the blame on this because Adam was standing right next to her. and, And wouldn't it have helped if Adam had just said, now Eve, Okay, I'm confused too. I'm confused. And I'm not exactly sure what we should do. But why don't we just wait? Why don't we just wait? You know, this our God, he comes walking in the garden with us very often in the cool of the evening. Why don't we just wait till he comes? Waiting preserves all your options. Waiting is the number one of the number one weapons you have against Satan is just waiting. Adam should have said this. Let's just wait. I'm confused. I'm doubting. But let's just wait. Let's just pause. We don't need to act on this right away. We do not need to take the next step. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I love that that image as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called called to the man, Where are you? Now, when God asks a question, he's not looking for information. He knows where they are. What he's really saying is, where are you now that you've done this? Where are you now? I, I tried to protect you. You let Satan get in. Now, let's, where are you now? And listen to this pathetic response from Adam. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Is that not the... The essence of mankind. 
I was afraid because I was naked. I don't want anybody to see the real me. I don't want anybody to get inside of me to see, see all of my flaws, how fragile I am inside. So I hid and we hide with all kinds of things, money, possessions, activities, work, sports, whatever it is. It's just pathetic. And, he, and God said, and who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? See, here we have it, the bait and switch. Now listen to what the man said. The man said, the woman you put here with me, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And now we're destroyed. The woman, the woman you gave me. So now, now he's shifting blame back to God. When he was passive the whole way through. Adam, Adam heard directly from God exactly what to do and what not to do. How to be protected, not prohibited. He did nothing but stand by passively and now he's shifting the blame. It's nothing new. There's nothing new under the sun. With all of, all of the array of temptations that Satan has at his, avail, at his fingertips. He's got, he's got the internet. He's got Facebook. He's got pornography. He's got money. He's got wars. He's got everything at his fingertips. It's, and it's probably been the same all the way through history. just seems like there's more now. He doesn't need anything new. It's all the same schemes. It's destroy, distract, discourage. Destroy, distract, discourage. Bluff, confuse, doubt. He doesn't need any new techniques. All he has to do is use these three. But we can be aware of this. And we can realize that when it's getting ready to happen or when it is happening to us. Just like me last Friday, I asked for the Holy Spirit to help me because I knew I wasn't right. I knew I wasn't where I wanted to be emotionally, mentally. It was not a big deal, but it was enough. I want you to be aware of what he's doing. The whole purpose of talking about this is not to talk about Satan, but to talk about his schemes. And how do we overpower him? How do we live that victorious life? Let's go back and look at that passage one more time. 2 Corinthians 10.4 The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have the Holy Spirit's divine power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds, not put a dent in them, not to put a scratch on them, but to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That would be Satan's schemes, his lies. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. My friends, it's going to take you being alert. It's nothing to be nervous about. There's nothing to be stressed about. Just being vigilant, being disciplined, thinking through what's happening. Do not engage. Do not listen to the lies. When you hear those lies, when you hear those lies of, of temptation, of condemnation, you know they're not coming from your Heavenly Father. Take those thoughts captive. That's all he has is thoughts. Take those thoughts captive. Make them obedient to Christ. And you will be victorious. Last week we started this. This week we're continuing. Next week we'll look at Paul's words in Ephesians 6 about putting on the full armor of God against Satan's schemes. But as we finish, let me go back and remind you of these three fundamental facts that I want you to remember over and over again. Satan is on a leash. 
You are more powerful than he is with the Holy Spirit. And how to overpower him? You take captive every thought. I'm glad you're with us today. I want you to think about the. Don't think about Satan. Think about the schemes and how we overpower him to live the life that Jesus wants. That life to the full that he promised us. That life that is truly life. Because there's more. You know there's more. Come, as Jesus would say, and find it.